five, four, three, two, one. Welcome, Courtney. Thank you. Thanks how for having are, me. First of all, how did you do what you did, and how are you right now? We're, we're just jumping right in. Yeah, let's just <laughs> jump right in. For people who are just tuning in, Courtney won the Moab 240, which is a 238-mile endurance race through the it's Moab, right? Right. In so Utah. Deserts, canyons, mountains. And how long did it take you to run 238 miles? It took just under 58 hours. That is so crazy. <laughs> and you beat the second place person by more than 20 miles, right? What was the distance? Yeah, I'm not sure the distance. I think it was around 20 or so. It was about 10 hours. How did you do that? <laughs> How, I mean, this is, and you're, you, how old are you? 32. That's young for these kind of races, right? Yeah, that's Be true. Because these kind of races, usually it's like grit and anger at the world that gets you through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're only 32, you're young, and you, you the way you're winning is like so crazy. And you've only been doing this, like big time races like this for a short amount of time, correct? Yeah, that's right. How long? Um, I've been running ultra marathons for maybe seven, eight years, but um, getting pretty competitive in the past couple of years. Wow. So how did you start out? The race? How did you start out running? Um, did you back, start out in high school? Yeah. Or? Back in junior high, high school, I ran cross country and track um, and continued endurance sports through college and tried some marathons. And then it was just like a natural segue into trail racing. But it's just the way you're beating these people is insane. You're not just beating them. You're like demoralizing people. <laughs> I mean, when well, you I beat the second, you, you hope not. Oh, you're too nice. When you beat the second place person by 20 hours or 20 miles, that's so crazy. 10 hours, you said? It was about 10 hours. That is insane. You're, you're both start at the same time. Ready, set, go. You're finishing <laughs> 10 hours ahead. Like you could go, go to sleep, get eight hours sleep, have a nice meal. <laughs> Like sit down and and then just just show up clean and showered and everything like that. Oh, you're finishing now? How cute! I just slept all night. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, it was it was cool. I mean, it was a cool adventure to to travel with your feet for 238 miles. Was I mean, it was brand new territory for me, so I didn't know how it was going to go. Well, it was pretty much brand new territory for all the runners, right? This yeah. is like the first ever 240, yep. Moab 240? Quite a few of them had done a bunch of 200-mile races before. Yeah, there um, you go. Let's picture you hoofing it. Hoofing. Crazy. So what is going on? Why are you so much better than everybody else? <laughs> um... I think I I had a good day out there. Get out of here. I'm you had a good three days. <laughs> just, what, you're trying to be too nice. No, but but, but uh, really like objectively, like how are you so much better than everybody else? I don't I don't know that I'm physically better than any of them, but I um have been really trying to learn how to like tap into my brain when it physically becomes hard because I think our brain can help us overcome so much and it's so powerful so um kind of that mind over matter thing and and when it physically becomes impossible to try and switch gears into like have it be a mental thing and, yeah. and just keep pushing so what are you doing to do that like have you studied some forms of meditation or no i think just experience like i keep on doing these races that put me in uncomfortable physical states and um 
And then I, I try and keep in mind that like my brain can help me overcome this physical pain if I just keep going. Wow, so that's it. Just, just stay tough. Trial and error. Yeah. Wow. So essentially self-taught in, in terms of like your mental fortitude. Kind of. Yeah, I guess. Probably could give some of that credit to like my parents or my upbringing or, you know, coaches I've had along the way. Um, but in these in this past couple of years, it's been just like not letting myself have an excuse to stop. Well, that's terrifying to everybody else, because if you did decide to start like learning meditation or something, what if like it took you to another level? Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> do you meditate? Yeah. yeah Would I it do, do that? Uh, I don't know, because I can't do what you do, so yeah. I could, <laughs> well. couldn't tell you. I mean, maybe it's just being comfortable with that excruciating agony and pain and just, like, finding a, a state of mind that you obviously know how to achieve. Maybe there's nothing more to it. Maybe it's just incredibly hard work and just grit, which which you obviously have both of those. I mean, it, it, that could be just it. Yeah. You might have the formula. Simple. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of times people try to overthink things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how many people do you know where their life sort of never changes, but they're always, like, doing self-help seminars and reading all these books, and fucking nothing changes. It's just, they're just the same person. They keep screwing up. They keep getting involved in bad relationships. And, you know, um, sometimes maybe it's, it's just there's a simpler thing or a simpler answer. Right. Set your mind to something. Put in the, the work to get there and then just execute the plan. Now, is this the furthest you've ever run? That is the furthest, yeah. What was the previous furthest? Um, the previous furthest was 155-ish miles. Wow, that's a big difference. Yeah. Wow. And that was just on a flat track. Oh, wow. So this was really different than what I had done before. Well, that's a, the interesting thing about these mountain races, like because it's not just uh in terms of it's not just your cardiovascular endurance you have to have muscular endurance because you're climbing there's a lot of elevation change right yeah quite a bit it's nice though because then you get the like reprieve of using different muscles oh. your hiking muscles might be different than like your flat running or your downhill muscles so you get to kind of switch it around switch the effort around and why is everybody in this race using trekking poles i noticed that um for me, they were helpful. I didn't use them until the the probably last quarter of the race. Really? Um, and they were helpful just as my feet were becoming a little more tender and um, my muscles not quite as quick to catch me on the downhills and the uphills just to, like, disperse the effort a little bit to my arms. Well, Jamie, pull up that video of the, um, <clears throat> what the, the, you know, the sort of preview video of the Moab 240 when they showed all these people running over the top. There's some precarious sections. Yeah. <laughs> like, and when you're tired, you've already run like 80, 90 miles, then you hit these crazy precarious sections. Like, what is that like? That's like, don't die. <laughs> <laughs> and no one's there watching you. It's not like anybody's running with right. you other than other runners, right? Like, this would be a lonely death. Moab 200 endurance run is 238-mile foot race through some of Utah's most stunning and challenging terrain. And it really is stunning. Yeah, look at that. That's God, beautiful. so beautiful. And so Solomon is the sponsor of this? They're the presenting sponsor. Um, and then there's a bunch of, like, sub-sponsors. I love their trail shoes. Look at this section. That is insane. This is the one that drives me nuts. It's like if you just stumble off the side, that's a wrap, son. Yeah. Whoa! Well, and they're making it look, like, so easy to run down. I'm pretty sure I was, like, stumbling my way down that a lot less gracefully. 
well, how come these guys can't do it the way you do it, though? <laughs> like, something's going on. Because, like, this has got to be, like, insane to for the other people that were running it, that you win by these giant margins. Yeah, I don't know. I think You really don't know. <laughs> like, are you, what is your diet like? Ooh, yeah. Um... Nachos, <laughs> candy. <laughs> Nachos and candy? Beer. Wow. Yeah? I mean, just a normal diet. I don't restrict or, like, try and include anything different than the normal, I guess, the average American. Wow. Um, so do you supplement with vitamins, or do you take anything else? Uh, I take a multivitamin. That's it? Yeah. Wow. No minerals, nothing, no creatine, nothing crazy? No. No? Nope. So just essentially a multivitamin and just hoofing it with nachos in your belly? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Like, I would expect that someone who is so far ahead of the rest of the pack that you would have some, like, you go to Colorado Springs, the Olympic training program, and they get you hooked up to these Rocky Four machines, like they had Drago, the Russian guy, and you're doing all this stuff, and they got, like, a music video soundtrack playing in the background. You're the best! Around! Like, <laughs> right? I mean, that's what I would think. But meanwhile, you're just drinking beer, eating nachos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does it help living in Colorado? Like, you're, you're at a good altitude, right? Yeah, great altitude. I think it probably helps. I mean, um, I'm right outside Denver, so there's trails out my door. So I, that's my, like, everyday run is on trails, climbing around the foothills of Colorado. So quite a bit of climbing. Um, we're already at altitude. So it's got to it's got to help. So talk me through your preparation. So when did it start? Like when when did you sign up for this race? When did you know that you were going to do it? I signed up in May, um, but I also was signed up for a hundred mile race a month prior to Moab in so like mid-September. And so my preparation was mostly for that hundred mile race. And then after the 100 miler, it was just trying to recover, um, make sure my legs and body felt fresh again, and then got squeezed in a couple more weeks of solid training to get ready for Moab. It's so funny, because you say 100 miles, I'm like, that ain't shit. Like, <laughs> 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 it's all so relative, you know, because you, yeah, I mean, a right. marathon to me would kill me. But I mean, you saying that you ran 238 miles, and then a 100 mile doesn't sound like much. I know, child's play. It's <laughs> How long does it take you to run 100 miles? Um, usually somewhere around 24 hours or under, depending on the trail and the climbing and stuff. So when you're getting ready, so, you, so you're preparing mostly for the 100-mile race, and then it's sort of recovery, and then did the 100-mile race essentially get you in condition for the 240? Yeah, that's what I hoped, is that it could be a good springboard to mm-hmm. the next one. So um, is that condition, is that a mental thing? Or are we talking about a physical thing and a mental thing? I think both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your body, I mean, your body's important. So, like, the physical aspect is important as well. Um, and just being able to, like, pound your legs for the the amount of time, the amount of miles that you need to for these races is um, physically learned, for sure. So what kind of daily miles were you putting in when you're getting ready for the 100? I would average about 100 miles per week. So, I don't know. So that's not even too crazy. That's not too crazy. Right. Because my friend Cam Haynes was trying to do a marathon a day. Yeah, he's insane. That's so cool. Is that too much? 
I mean, no, he was doing great with it. So. Well, he came in a day later than you. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, keep it up. You know what? You should do like 40 miles a day. <laughs> keep going, buddy. <laughs> no, I think it depends on people's bodies. Like some some people, 100 miles per week is a lot. Mm-hmm. Like their bodies can't sustain that. And for some, like Cam Haynes, he can do a marathon a day and and be in great physical form for it. But he's a meathead, and I always wonder, I love him, by the way, I say this with all <laughs> due respect, I wonder if like he pushes too hard, like maybe there's like a fine line between, there's like a point of diminishing return, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. You know, where you, you go so hard that you're kind of overtraining, and even though you can sustain it, really you get better performance out of being like uh, pushing less. Right. Yeah, I don't, I can't speak to, to his training, but... Um, I think he's pretty he's pretty new to all these ultras as well. Yeah, I think so. Over the last few years, he did the Bigfoot 200 last year, which yep. is 205 miles. He did that in 78 hours. He actually did this race two hours quicker than he did the 205. Which is so cool. Crazy. Yeah. It's probably because he's just humiliated by you. Oh, no. It's like, <laughs> I this hope chick not. beat me by a day. <laughs> she beat me by a day. So, like, forget about the second place person who you could have taken a nice, restful eight-hour sleep, gotten a fine meal at a restaurant, had a glass of wine, and took a shower, and brushed your teeth, <laughs> painted your toenails. If you have any left, did they all fall off? No, still got ten. Really? Yeah. Cams all fall off. He takes pictures of them all taped up. Like oh, mummies. really? Yeah, it's disgusting. So when you um, when you're recovering from something like this, how long does it take before you feel normal again? Um, after this one, I felt like a human. So I finished Sunday night, and I felt human by Wednesday, <laughs> probably. And wow. uh, got out for some jogs then, like Friday, Saturday. Really? Yeah. Wow. I would be done with jogging forever. I'd be like, enough of this. This is so stupid. I'll just take a car next time. What? So, like, when you say uh, you be, felt like a human again, like, what do you mean by that? Uh, for me, those first couple of nights after, I don't sleep very well. I think, like, everything's just on overdrive. My, my legs are throbbing and uncomfortable, and um, it's hard to, like, turn your brain off as much as you want to. So... I was finally like getting good normal sleep by Wednesday and it kind of messed with my appetite for a couple of days as well where food just like wasn't it didn't sound that great even though I was like totally depleted of wow. nutrition. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be such a shock for your body. Oh, for sure. Who knows? That's probably not good for us, but <laughs> I, it can't be. Well, I say it can't be, but maybe it can be, right? Because maybe you're recovering and maybe when you recover from that extreme exertion, your vitality ups. Right. Because, like, there's all these, like, people that say, like, I've read this, that if you, take a, if you run a marathon, you should take six months off. I've read that. I actually read that. Like, someone's recommendation. It takes you six months to recover from a marathon. From one marathon. Well, who? Who? You, Fatso? Yeah. Like, who are you talking about? <laughs> who, who's saying this? Like, obviously, there's people that can do more than you. Like, people, people who are writing this stuff down are silly. Because, no, because Cam, can, if he can run a marathon a day, obviously he doesn't need six months off. Right. And I've hung out with him after he's done this, and he's totally normal. Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem like there's anything wrong with him. So that's not true. So the question is, like, who are we comparing to? Like, who, who's our baseline? Is our baseline, like, a guy who barely works out? Or is our baseline you? Because you're going to get two radically different results. Right. Got to take those articles with a grain of salt. 
Yeah. Well, that's the thing. What I was saying to Cam, I was like, well, how do you know how much to train? He goes, no one knows how much to train for this stuff because it's really just guesswork. Yeah. Yeah. Which is part of the cool part. You know, it's like there's a million pieces to the puzzle of ultra running and and figuring them out is part of the fun of doing this sport. Now, what has it been like for you after you won? Because you're a like I, I've talked to so many people that really have no interest normally in endurance running, and they've brought you up constantly. Like you're like a superstar. <laughs> it sounds, it's, I'm, I'm sure it sounds crazy to you, but like uh, my friend Brian Stevens, he was texting me the whole way back and forth while this was going on, and you know he was like looking at your numbers and your times. He's like, this is fucking insane. <laughs> like this woman is insane. Like how is she doing this? Well, thank you. They had a good tracking system. That was so yeah, fun for people badass. to watch. Yeah, yeah. that's what Brian was saying. He's like, I've never been less productive. Right. He goes, I'm just <laughs> going online and checking this thing constantly. Um, yeah. I mean, since then, I, I had to create a Twitter. <laughs> and, uh, you didn't have any social media? Instagram. I had a Facebook, but I Maybe that's how you were successful. I don't know. <laughs> you weren't just bogged down by all the nonsense that people just... You know, I mean, social media nonsense can eat up a lot of your day. Yeah. Well, I'm still figuring it out, so. Don't. Don't even bother. <laughs> just occasionally post things and just ignore everything else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, I'll just retweet a few things. Yeah, that's the move. Just learning about those. Yeah. Just press that little retweet <laughs> button whenever anything's interesting. That's a good move. Yeah. So, like, when you, when you finish the race, like, what is the feeling like when you cross the line and you look back and you don't even see a person like, you, you wouldn't be able to see them with fucking binoculars. Like, they're on the other side of the earth. Like, the curve of the earth, if you believe that thing, the curve of the earth is literally so far. Like, they, they're beyond the curve. That's true, right? Isn't it? 20 miles? I would imagine you can't see straight 20 miles. I would imagine 20 miles. You might be able to see, like, the top of dude's head. And he's like, <laughs> you'd have to have one of them. Crazy binos, those like. Yeah, if you're glassing, you, know, you can probably see them, but. Yeah, if you're glassing. <laughs> just glassing. I mean, what is that feeling like? Uh, it felt amazing. You know, with the tracking system that we had, um, when I left the last aid station, there's like 17 miles to go. And it was pretty much, um, we could see that it was certain that I could get to the line first as long as I didn't like take a nap out there or, right. or become like physically incapable. But you could take a nap. That was the thing. You could take a nice one. <laughs> Did you think about that? You just no. like, let me just take a nice nap here. <laughs> oh, a nice five hour nap. And you still have like five plus hours ahead of everybody. Yeah. Oh, maybe you, yeah, that would be nice. Well, so it was nice because we could, I was running with my husband at that point and we could enjoy the trail and like not be like super, um, anxious about trying to be really efficient, but just trying to be efficient on the course. Um, but then we saw that getting under 58 hours was possible. So then I got a little like bee in my bonnet about about <laughs> trying to push the pace a little bit more. A bee in your bonnet. I've never yeah. heard that phrase before. That's a great phrase. Oh, you should come to Minnesota. We've got all sorts of good <laughs> phrases. <laughs> so does your husband run the same kind of races that you run? Or did he just like hop in every now and then? Um, he runs 50 milers and 50 K, so 31 miles. But he didn't enter this race? No, he didn't. So he just kind of helped you along, like yep. jumped in at certain spots? So how does he get to these spots? you have to drive? Yeah, yeah. So he's all relaxed and got no, a couple, got I Starbucks mean, in his hand? No, I mean, if you picture a 238-mile loop, mm -hmm. 
he he had to drive to all of the places on this course. Oh, poor so baby. He spent the day in the car, the wow. couple days in the car, and I had a um, a fantastic crew of friends out there. And in these races, you can have pacers for certain sections. So I could have a buddy run with me um, who was fresh and, like, their brain and their eyes and their legs were um, more alert to help me just keep track of the course flags, like staying on course and um, stuff like that. That's interesting. Like, when you're doing this for this amount of hours, what was the total hours again? 50? Right under 58. So when you're doing it for this amount of hours, how much sleep are you getting? Um, I slept 21 minutes. (laughs) Wow. That is so crazy. That was two separate naps. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so like 10 and a, 10 and an 11? Uh, 20 <clears throat> and a 1. Really? Yeah. The one minute nap you oh, count? Oh man, it was amazing. <laughs> it was the best sleep I've ever had. <laughs> was it really? It really was. Why'd, I, you, why'd you get up though after a minute? Um, so I did the 20 minute nap intentionally. I crawled in the back of our crew car. We had a sleeping bag back there and I um, tried to like get some good rest after... It was like middle of the second night, mm-hmm. and I didn't sleep very well. Um, I was just, just really you're uncomfortable. So wrecked. And, yeah, and I was still like pretty amped up, so I couldn't shut my brain off, even though it was like becoming pretty delirious. Um, so then I left that aid station after laying in the car for 20 minutes, and I was on the trail with one of my good friends and pacers, and I was falling asleep as I was running, like zigzagging Whoa. all over the trail. I couldn't keep my eyes open. So at one point I was bent over and I was like face planting towards the ground and he's like, just lay down, like take a nap right here, right on the trail. Um, so I'm like laying down, already snoring as I'm like, one minute, just one minute. Wakes me up one minute later and I was like more alert than I've ever been. And then we were super pumped up the rest of the time because we were like, a one-minute nap, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> That's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my yeah. life. A bunch of people, like, um, I talked to Cam. I think he took a similarly, like, really short nap, and it just, like, rejuvenates you in a weird way. Wow. I've, I've heard that before, that, like, if you're really tired, a 20-minute nap will make a huge difference. Yeah. If you could just lie down. And I've always, like, ignored that. Like, how is that going to be do yeah. beneficial? Yeah. Well, next time, try just one minute. <laughs> I I'm too lazy. I would I would stay asleep. So how did like when he woke you up after one minute? Were you like, why did you wake me up? <laughs> no, I was like, why did you let me sleep so long? I thought it had been I thought it had been at least thirty minutes, and I was really? like, dude, we gotta go. Why did you let me sleep so long? He's like, wow, that was one minute. <laughs> one whole minute, ready go, and you were just out cold. Out cold. I rem cycled like dreams and everything. Really? Yeah. Do you remember them? I don't. But I, it was like the deepest sleep. Wow. And what was cool is as I was laying on the trail for one minute, it was dark and beautiful stars out and there were elk bugling like up on the oh, hillside. Wow. It was cool. I didn't, I didn't hallucinate that. That was real. <laughs> Did you hallucinate at all? <laughs> I had some hallucinations, yeah. What would you see? You know, in the forest at night, everything just like becomes something so there were tons of like faces and animals there was a guy playing a cello um there was a leopard hanging out in a hammock (laughs) it was like how vivid are these i mean pretty like where i think they're real and i'm like waving at them you're waving at the leopard in the hammock well i didn't wave to him i waved to the cello player really (laughs) yeah 
<laughs> but did you know he wasn't real as you were running by? Yeah. I mean, now that I've done these quite a few times in the night, I usually see some things. And so now it's just like kind of cool to acknowledge that it's happening and try and remember so I can tell my <laughs> tell my friends afterwards. <laughs> so is there any part of you that thinks like, hey, there's a guy with a cello in the woods? Or is there just a recognition that you're freaking out because you're running 58 miles or 58 hours? I think just a recognition like, huh, guy with cello. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> so you're just so focused on what you're doing that even the most bizarre thing, like a leopard in a hammock. Yeah, I mean, there it just happens now. So I know there's not actually one. <laughs> but how often does this take place? I mean, when how many of these have you done, these ultra marathons? Um, quite a few. And did they start, the hallucinations start in the early ones? Yeah, basically, like my first couple hundred milers where you go through the night, it's always the nighttime where shadows just like play tricks on you. Um, and so I'm like in the mountains of Colorado and there's giraffes and like flying eels and all <laughs> sorts of weird things. And at first I was freaked out about it. Um, but now it's just like, all right, that'll be a, a fun story to tell afterwards. <laughs> Have you talked to a doctor or anyone and say, hey, what happens to the mind? when? No, I haven't. I'd be fascinated to know, like, what is, what's happening that's right. causing you to have these, like, extreme visual hallucinations. Cause I, you, so you're, you're saying they looked real. Yeah. But I think it's just, like, shadows and your brain is too tired to, like, process. So it just, like jumbles them together into something that would make sense. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> but it's not freaking you out. You're just like, all right. Hey, yeah. cello guy. Hey, man. Rock on, dude. Yeah. Thanks for the tunes. <laughs> <laughs> Could you hear him? No. <laughs> no? So he was just like silently playing a cello? Yeah, which is creepy in itself. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Is, is that the only hallucinations or was there anything else weird? During this one? Yeah. Um, those were like the significant ones. Otherwise, just a lot of, like, random faces on trees or rocks and stuff like that. Now, as you're running, right, and you're running for 50-whatever miles or 58 hours and you're constantly moving forward, is there a <laughs> point in time where your body, like, like what does it feel like? Do, are you, like, in constant pain or are you, are you just numb to it? Like, what happens? Um, it's kind of you go in waves, like you'll um, be riding this wave where you're just feeling like amazing and really fresh and like your legs can cruise pretty well and everything, nothing hurts, you know, everything's feeling really good. And then that wave will eventually come crashing down where things are hurting again and you might be like whimpering along for a little bit. But the cool part about these is that those waves, like, I mean, they always come and then they, they go. So you ride this like high and low the whole race. Um, and when it gets really low, when you're feeling awful, you just have to remember that you're going to feel better again soon. You just got to keep chugging along. So you're in pain and then somehow or another you feel better even though you don't stop running. Yeah. Yeah. How does like, that work? I don't know. Like a, a switch flips or, um, sometimes I'll like intentionally during those lows take more calories in thinking maybe that will help just like give my body some something to burn for a while to make right. it happy again. What kind of stuff can you eat while you're running this much? Um, in one this length, I was doing a lot of um, like water, Gatorade, and then there's this powder you can put in water called Tailwind. It has like electrolytes and um, 
200 calories per bottle, so you're getting in calories. And then, like, normal athletic foods, like Honey Stinger products, which Mm -hmm. are, like, gels and and shoes and stuff. But then I was... um, eating boatloads of the cheese quesadillas at all the aid stations. <laughs> they serve cheese quesadillas? Oh, my gosh. It was like a whole buffet line. Anything you wanted were really? at these aid stations. Yeah. And it was good? Oh, it was amazing. Wow. So you could eat cheese quesadillas and just keep running? Yeah. So I would stop at each aid station, um, demolish a cheese quesadilla, like hang out for just a second to let my body reset, and then keep cruising. Wow. Which normally I'm not very good at eating real food during, but this just felt like too much. There's Cam with the bacon cheeseburger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Covered in a blanket. Oh, that's another thing. Like there's points in the race where it's extremely cold, right? It got really cold. I think we hit nine degrees on the second night. And what are you wearing? Um, a couple jackets, like a windbreaker jacket and a rain jacket and some gloves and like a headband some pants, nothing like absurd. So just the fact that you're constantly moving, you stay yeah. fairly warm. Yeah. And the windbreaker is a, the, the the rain jacket to stop rain or from wind. Just layers. Just I layers. just wanted to like try and insulate, insulate the body heat. Mm. Are you eating those uh, those little waffle things, those bee stingers? Yeah, yeah those I love are great those. Too. You've had them? Yeah, they're great. They're awesome. So you're just trying to take in like the densest stuff, like sugars and cheese and quesadilla, yeah. like just anything. Just anything that would stay in. I didn't want to get nauseous and, and start losing it on the trail. And Cam said he doesn't go to the bathroom the entire time. Like, he doesn't have to. Just food just goes in and just, just gets something. burned. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the case with you, too? Um, I use the bathroom. It's a rude question to ask women. Yeah, no, bring some it. reason. <laughs> <laughs> but he said he didn't poop for, like, three days. I don't know if that's healthy, Cam. Yeah, he's got a lot of <laughs> unhealthy problems. <laughs> Talk to him. <laughs> Maybe he'll listen to you. He doesn't listen to me. No, I used the restroom while I was out there. Did you have to pee? Yeah. Well, that's crazy because I would think that you're you're sweating so much that it would just go right through your skin. Yeah, I'm not sure the science of it. For a while, I was peeing like way too much, like multiple times per mile. And I think it has something to do with the amount of salt that you, oh, you're okay. taking in. That was another question I had. Do you, do you, are you taking salt tablets? I wasn't until I was having this, this problem, and then it was like, we got to try and stop this because that's not good either to go as often as that. Yeah. So yeah. then I took some salt tabs or whatever and, and pills. It, did that clear it up? Yep. Now, what are those, like, do you know what milligrams, how much salt you're actually taking in? Nope. No. So, They're just like S S caps or something. Mm-hmm. They're just a normal like you can buy them at any any athletic store. Oh, so this is just a, a little pill of salt, I think. And it's mostly for runners, essentially. I, that's all I've seen use them, but you could you could probably have some if you wanted. <laughs> so <laughs> what, what's the thought process behind it, though? The thought process is that your body is pushing through all these minerals, and the salt helps you retain water. Is yeah. That the idea? Yeah. And what about other minerals? Do you have to take magnesium or anything else while you're doing that? I didn't, no. And I don't even really know the the exact contents of that tailwind um, powder that I was putting in. I know it has lots of electrolytes and stuff like that that's supposed to help, but I'm not sure if it has some of the other pieces that people need during these. Now, before the race gets started, do you hyperhydrate? Or do you, like, drink a ton of water to get ready or...? Yeah, I tried. I mean, nothing too crazy. But nothing too crazy? No. 
What about food before the race? Do you just eat like a pig and get ready? No. <laughs> no? No. Just normal. Just normal. Normal nachos. Just normal nachos, <laughs> normal beer. And so, like, when you're, like, as you're leaving, like, as ready, set, go, what's the state of mind you go into when you know that you're about to run 238 miles and kick everybody's ass? <laughs> Uh, it was exciting. I mean, it was this big adventure that I had I had high expectations of myself while at the same time having no expectations of myself because I didn't know I didn't know how it was going to go. Um and I really wanted to just enjoy being out there like moving my body with my feet for multiple days it was really exciting. So, I was pumped at the at the beginning and um spent those first probably 50 miles like running with various people through the desert there's like canyon walls just like towering on every side um and just trying to enjoy that like this is just the beginning if you start to comprehend or think about like how far you have to go you're gonna freak yourself out so like just be right now so you just sort of stay in the moment that's what i was trying to do yeah just left foot right foot left foot right foot yep left foot. yep go 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 that's go, it go, go go easy as that is there ever a moment while you're doing this where you want to stop and quit? Yes. No, I never wanted to quit. I uh, I knew that the cutoff time was was um, Tuesday night, and so no matter what happened out there, I was going to make sure I finished this race, even if I was um, coming in Tuesday night. Like, if it meant I had to sleep for many many hours or multiple times, or if I had to like death march my way around the desert, I was gonna finish it. Death march. <laughs> you know, just like slow. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a harsh way of looking at it, though. Oh, sorry. No, no, don't, <laughs> don't apologize. It's good. Because I, I did notice that there were some people that were still running. You know, uh, after you guys had finished and, you know, after Cam had finished, I stopped uh, looking at the uh, the time for quite a while. And then I went like eight hours, nine hours later. And I'm like, oh, my God, people are still running. Yeah, those are warriors. They're so impressive. I mean, they were out there putting on their headlamp for the fifth night. That's a long time to be out there, and they were. It was incredible. We got to hang around the finish line and watch quite a few of those. You stuck around. Yep. Yeah. That's that was hilarious. one of the best parts. We eat ice cream. Uh, drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> but did you think to yourself, like, how the hell did I? finish so much faster than anybody um no i thought how the heck are these people like so incredible and still going after i mean i'd like to think i'd be able to keep pushing myself on that fourth day into the fourth night but that's mentally really hard oh it's got to be yeah you do understand that you stomped everybody's ass. You do, you do get that, right? You, you're like, you're so humble. This is kind of amazing. <gasps> Thank you. <laughs> you do understand that, though, right? I mean, it's like, has it internalized? Um, I understand. Yeah, I put together a pretty good day. And when you when you stop and you think about when you reflect and you look back on it, we're like, you know, a week past it. What was it about more than two weeks? How long ago was it? Oh, uh, one week. One week? Yep. So you're a week past it, and how do you, like, d how do you process that? Yeah, that's still, I'm still working on it. Like, just the whole adventure, all the 
places, like all the sights I got to see, the people that I got to meet, the the fact that my feet carried me that far. Like, what kind of shoes do you run in? Solomon shoes. Okay, so same as, as the which ones? Um, they're called the Sense Ride. Mm-hmm. Have you tried them? No, I haven't. I see you. You got some Solomons on. Yeah, I always wear these. Uh, these trail runner things, yeah. the speed cross ones. Speed cross. I like those because they, they're good. Uh, they have a lot of grip yep. to them. When I'm not wearing those Vibrams, I wear those five-finger shoes, too. I sort of alternate. So do you run the you run the sidewalks in those? or No, I just run trails. You run around here? Yeah. 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 That's awesome. It's good, but it's not. Like Colorado, you, you're dealing with altitude and a lot more. You also have, like, didn't someone just die? Some endurance guy just got bit by a rattlesnake yeah. near you? Yeah. That's in Golden, wasn't it? Yep, which is where I live. Holy shit. Yeah. Hey, what happened to that dude? Just really unfortunate. I don't actually know the whole story, um, but he was out on a trail, like, it's a couple miles from my house and, and got bit and had some, like, weird reaction to it. Like, he had help pretty quickly um, and got to the hospital in pretty good time, but unfortunately, something about his body and that bite, like, wasn't good. Wow. Yeah. Because I've thought rattlesnakes, like, you have a few hours. Yeah. Usually, right? Yeah, I mean. It's not good, but. It's not you good. You have a few hours. And pretty much, if you read anything about what to do after a rattlesnake bite, those things are wrong. Like, right. you pretty much can't do anything. You shouldn't suck the venom out. You shouldn't, like, slice it open. You shouldn't do anything. Just get to the hospital as calmly as possible. You shouldn't suck the venom out? No. What was that, a Dan Aykroyd movie where he got, like, venom in his butt and he was telling someone to suck the venom oh, out of his butt? <laughs> remember that? No. I remember that. <laughs> but yeah. I bet we're, we're going to see it here yeah, in a second. I'm sure. <laughs> Jamie's furiously typing. Because yeah, the reason why I remember, remember it is because Sam Kinison was mocking him. Was mocking it, but they they must have had some sort of a feud back in the day. Anyway, well, if he had City Slickers, was it in City Slickers? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, that's why Sam Kinison was mocking it. He got kicked off the original City Slickers. He was in it. He was in the original cast. Oh wow! And he didn't get along with somebody, and they they got rid of him. Well, it wouldn't have helped if he did suck the venom out. Why do people think that you should do that? I don't know. Like Mm. old wives' tale or something. I'm not sure. Yeah, they say you're supposed to cut it, cut it open, and. Yeah, you're Can't not supposed that? to do that either. What do you do? Do you make a tourniquet? I think that's actually a good idea, right? Um, the the latest thing I read that's the best to do is just have a sharpie along, circle where the bite is, and mark the time, and then like every twenty minutes, as you're if you have to hike yourself out or like you're trying to get somewhere to go get help circle it again 20 minutes later to show where the swelling has gotten to oh. so that the doctors have a better idea of like how quickly it's it's moving through you oh. i saw a horrible thing online this young man got bit in his arm and his skin started to die oh, and his geez. tissue started to die you know necrosis yeah. and so they had to do all these massive skin grafts and just massive surgeries and it, it had essentially rotted down to the bone and you can oh, see geez. like the bone in his arm. It was rough. But he, he yeah, lived. He, he lived. Yeah, but I think he'd gone through more than ten surgeries. Jeez. Yeah, it was awful. And I didn't know that rattlesnakes could do that to you. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. You have yeah. rattlesnakes here? Oh you yeah. Know? Yeah. I killed one just a couple of weeks ago. With your bare hands. I stomped it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I I stomp whenever chance I get. People say you shouldn't, but fuck them. <laughs>
like if they're near my house, like there's no. Ch- I have kids. I have little kids. Like, yeah. Any rattlesnake that's in my yard is dead. What else? You guys have mountain lions out here. Yes. Yeah. Have you ever have seen lions. one of those? I have seen them, but I saw them in Colorado. Mm. I haven't seen one out here. I saw one in Santa Barbara, actually. That was weird. It was in Montecito, which is like this really nice residential community. And we were driving up the road, and I saw what I thought was a coyote. I was okay. like, what a coyote? I go, what a tail. Oh, it's a fucking cat. Just out like, on the street. Just out on a regular wow. street. Yeah, it was a big fucker, too. Yeah. You know, like a probably 70 80 pounds you know those are scary yeah it's like i mean it's not big for a mountain lion they get to be like 150 and, yep. and up what's really interesting out here is people don't everyone here is so urbanized that their understanding of what a mountain lion is is like you know they they think it's the lion king yeah like, yeah there's this oh. one that uh he has a name too it's like p32 or p41 or some shit and he went on a killing rampage at an alpaca farm okay and killed like 11 alpacas and a goat yeah and doesn't even eat them he just went on a rampage yeah and this woman got a depredation permit to kill it because it's her alpaca farm and like this lion has just decided to start fucking up her animals and this is like what she does for a living okay and she got all these death threats from animal rights activists I mean, like death threats. Like she was terrified, yeah. so she decided not to do anything. She was going to hire someone to kill this mountain lion. But it's like, if you love animals, wouldn't you want to stop the animal that's murdering all her animals? You right. fucking crazy assholes. Well, like, and it's not doing it for food, which is unusual. Well, they apparently they have a reaction. They can get into a pen when there's a bunch of them in there. They just can't help themselves. Okay. They just Ugh. they just can't help themselves. They just see them all there, and they just jack one and jack the other one and. He wasn't even eating them. He didn't eat any Jeez. of them. Yeah. Yeah, I've never seen one out on a run, but I've always got my eyes peeled. It yeah. would be so scary. Oh, they're terrifying. They're terrifying animals. And, you know, for the most part, they're important. They're an important part of the ecosystem. Oh, yeah. Like that. But the weird thing about out here is we've sort of sectioned off their habitat by our highway system. And so there's some of them that are stuck in the Santa Monica Mountains, and the genetic diversity is not very strong. Right. I actually had a uh, coyote expert on here oh. who was, uh, he works for the, what did he work for? The, the what was the, the actual organization he worked for? Far, what the hell was it? <laughs> we just recall. do this for a while. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, anyway, some sort of park ranger type fellow, really nice guy. But he was telling us about um, the ones that they have, like in Griffiths Park. There's a okay. mountain lion in Griffiths Park. People are just jogging and riding their bikes, and this guy's just out there eating deer Jeez. all day long. And they have to capture him every couple of years. They have to dart him because uh, his uh, collar, the uh, the tracking device on his collar, runs out of batteries. Oh. So every couple of years, they got to put the whack on this guy. Put him to sleep and, and redo it. But they it. leave him in the park. Mm-hmm. Huh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they don't want to relocate? No. Huh. Well, it's interesting. It's one of the good things about California is that we don't have a lot of car accidents with deer. You know, it's it's very uncommon. Okay. Whereas, uh, you said you're from Michigan? Minnesota. Minnesota. Minnesota has a lot. A lot of them. A lot of car accidents. Yeah. And these places where they don't have apex predators... They have a lot. Well, does do you guys have what do you have out there? Like as far as you have wolves in Minnesota? Yeah, wolves. Yeah, um, so deer. Some wolves. I think like way north, there's even like I mean, there's got to be moose and. Do you have mountain lions, in Minnesota? I don't know about any mountain lions. Yeah, 
Well, out here, there's a, there's a lot of coyotes, which get the uh, fawns, and then there's mountain lions, which decimate the deer. So no car accidents. Very few deer. California is like a really low deer-density yeah. state. Interesting. Yeah. So there's a, there's a good to that. Northern Minnesota fighting cougars now believed to be bobcats. Oh. oh they were fighting each other? They're up in a tree? tree. Yeah. yeah, that's oh, a bobcat. Where's that, his tail? No, that's fake. Not what this one is, but I don't think Oh. That <laughs> <laughs> like, that's Photoshop. What is the one on the left? What is that? Like, uh, it's probably to hide something. It's a cardboard cutout. Cardboard cutout of the cutout of oh, typical yeah. size of a cougar or mountain lion left is compared to the photograph of a bobcat. Oh, they were just probably doing it for the photos. So oh, yeah. Oh, that makes just sense. Just Minnesotans passing the time. Oh, yeah. Bob- <laughs> well, I've, I saw a bobcat that I thought was a cougar. I saw a bobcat with its cubs. And uh, in uh, at Tahone Ranch, and I thought it was a cougar. It's their tail. Their yeah. tail will give it away. Yeah. You, well, I just saw the cat. I saw, yeah. I saw like this big cat in the road. I was like, "Whoa, is that a mountain lion?" Yeah. And then I, we eventually figured out that it was a bobcat. Got but they huh. get they get well, to a good size. So we do have uh, we do have bobcats in yeah. Minnesota. So I got a question for you. Can you talk about the uh, Run Rabbit Run race you had that you won? Or I- uh, we, how, yeah, we can talk ended. about that. Well, you know about how that? did it end? No. I'll let her describe it because it sounds pretty crazy. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> um, so the 100-mile race that I was doing a month before Moab at about, I mean, 12 miles roughly to the finish line, my vision started blurring like in the periphery. Um, and over the course of the next couple miles, closed in until it was pure white. I couldn't see anything. Um, so I just, like, stumbled my way along roughly 10 miles of trails to get to the finish line. Pretty much, I would say, like, 98% blind. What? I could see my feet, like, right in front of my feet, but it was just white out. So I was running and um, falling everywhere. It was probably hilarious if people were watching, but um, I hit my head also. On a rock. One After of, you're blind? Yeah. One of the times I fell. So I had blood dripping down my face, like stumbling along, totally couldn't see the trail. And you um, still won? Yeah. Managed to finish and, and hold the lead. You're a savage. <laughs> you should give seminars on how to be a savage. That is crazy. So what what did what happened to your vision? Um. So since then, there's been tons of people kind of talking about it. Apparently, it happens in, in ultras quite often. They are thinking it's a corneal edema. So basically, like, I wear contact lenses to see, um, and the, like, contact mixed with the air and the dryness and Mm. all sorts of things cause, like, a kind of fluid or... I'm not really sure how it works. Have you ever thought about getting Lasix or something? People who have done Lasix also get this corneal edema. So for now, I'm just uh, staying staying with the contacts because I'm... I've been learning how to deal with those a little bit better. Well, did that concern you at all when you were about to run 238 miles? Yeah, I really didn't want to go blind again. Um, yeah, Jesus Christ. But I, Especially at that course. Yeah, yeah, right off a cliff. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was using eye drops um, just to, like, get some, like, tears going in there, and I wore glasses for this whole race. In Moab, because that's supposed to help as well. Keep gr- grit from hitting yeah, your eyes. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you got back and you won that race and you were basically almost blind, how long did it take for your vision to recover? 
five, six hours. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Oh, that must have been a relief. Oh, such a relief. Yeah. I was pretty sick of it by the time I finished. But were you you concerned that it could be potentially permanent? You know, it didn't feel permanent. It felt, I think because it went white and because it like moved in slowly, it felt like topical. I don't know. I I didn't really consider while I was racing if it was permanent. I was just like amped on finishing the race at that point. Um, but once I finished, no one seemed overly concerned about it. Like we went to the hospital and, um, they were more concerned with checking out my head. Um, so it didn't feel like that urgent. Whoa. Yeah. But it was weird. Yeah. Did you think about quitting? No. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Even though you're blind and you got a concussion, (laughs) you look like Carrie on prom night. Yeah. Like, what the hell? Well, I hit my head, and um, it thunked pretty hard, and then there was liquid dripping on my face, but I put my hand up to touch it, and I couldn't see my hand in front of my face to see if it was blood or not. Wow. So I had no idea. And what is this course like that you're running on? Um, It's in Steamboat, Colorado, so mountains and um, pretty rough trails on this section where I fell. Um, Yeah, but... The last six miles of the race, you finally get to, like, a fire road. So a little bit wider, a little more room for error if you go crooked. <laughs> <laughs> That's just so crazy. So how are, you, how are you knowing where to step? You're not? You're just guessing? So that's a picture of the course, yeah. That, so you're running that course blind. Well, that section's uh, quite a bit more technical than the section I went blind on. When you say technical, what exactly do you mean? Like big rocks and, and cliffs, stuff like that. The section why, I went, would it be, why would that be technical? Um, I don't know. That's just the word they associate with like trickier trails. Mm, like you have to be more uh, use technique. Is that what they're saying? Maybe. I've heard that term before. That's why I always ask. Yeah. Like people talk about like technical terrain, like, you know. I don't know what it, I don't know the root word for it. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you just can't just flat out just hoof it. You have to think about what you're doing. Yeah. Like your foot placement is um, a little bit trickier. You're kind of looking down a lot while you're running. Yeah. You can't just run straight. Right. Right, like, because most people, like, if you're running on a, a flat trail, you're just kind of looking ahead, and you're assuming right. the road is going to yeah. be the same with the left foot as it is for the right foot, and the left same. Thing. Right. But this, you can't, right? Yeah. Now, when you're doing something like that, I would think when you got to constantly look down, that is when I would be concerned about like mountain lions or something like that. Yeah. Because you're not looking. Yeah. And they probably think you're trying to get away. Right. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure if you end up seeing the mountain lion, it's already too late for you. Oh, really? I don't know. Did you hear about that kid in Alaska that got eaten by a bear in a race? Yeah, that's that unfortunate. Yeah. yeah, called his mom, too. Called his mom before the bear attacked him and said, I think there's a bear that's following Jeez. me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, animals are a real part of it out yeah. there. There was also a guy who was jogging along, minding his own business, and a hawk came and tried to swoop him, scoop his head. It, he had uh, scratches across his whole head from the talons of this hawk. What? Pull up that picture. Yeah. What? Like, the hawk thought he was food, so he was going to grab him and bring him to the nest. What a gangster hawk. <laughs> yeah. How little is this guy? I don't think that little. I think like a, a, an, an adult, I'm pretty sure. If a hawk landed on my head, I guarantee you I'm going to have a stuffed hawk in here. <laughs> right here. I'm going to have that fucker. And I'm going to have like a, a 
plastic <laughs> hand around yeah. his scrawny neck. <laughs> Fucking assholes. I have hawks in my yard all the time. They're trying to get my chickens. Oh, I think they so did get big. one. I think they got one. One of them went missing. We're trying to figure out what happened. Look at that. Wow, that is crazy. That's from the, the, the thumb the talon, whatever. <sighs> Escaped Harris hawks are attacking runners and walkers, prompting fears they are now breeding in Britain. Oh, this is in England. Wow. That is a huge gash. For mm. people who are just listening, we're talking like 11, 12-inch gashes on this guy's head. The whole head. His whole, the whole top of his head is like a track, like train tracks, like two straight lines. Kind yeah. of a cool scar it's going to make, though. Beautiful scar, right? <laughs> yeah. What happened to you? Gangster shit. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if he did. If he was like, "Oh my, this hawk is trying to take me away." <laughs> oh dear! Hey, <laughs> someone help me! That's not the hawk. That That's one looks look too like small. A Harris hawk. So this is an escaped hawk. They're saying. So is this a hawk that, like, essentially was a captive hawk, and now they got loose and they don't know how to eat? They don't know what to do. Jeez. And maybe oh, that's crazy. Maybe it, like, thought this guy was, uh, give it a shot. I recall hearing what I now know was the bird's wings flapping behind my head. And then suddenly, just talons. But other than that, there was no warning. Jeez. He thought it was a mugging. He thought he got mugged. Wow. What a crazy bird. The bird thinking he could kill a person. Yeah. That is a a gangster bird, man. (laughs) Escaped bird. Attacking humans. Yeah, go back to that again real quick. The, what did he say? <laughs> Whilst the uh, attacker was originally thought to be a buzzard, known to become aggressive during the nesting season, experts pointed out the native birds of prey seldom strike in the summer months. Wow. Harris Jeez. Hawk. One, yeah, yeah those, those things, the claws on those. We were just talking about eagles the other day. Like, imagine, like, a, a, something that can swoop down and grab a salmon out of a river and fly off with it. Yeah. These ridiculous things they have at the bottom of their feet. Can't they even pick up, like, small deer and stuff? And yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, they can. Yeah, the Mongols use them to um, to uh, attack wolves. They uh, they have trained eagles that they swoop down and they grab wolves and they kill the wolves. They drop them from a pie or no, what do they do? No, they just do? kill them. Huh. They kill them with their talons. Their talons are so strong. It's like knives. They just grab a hold of their neck and stick the talons into the Jeez. side of the neck. It's crazy to watch. I mean, these aren't big wolves. These are like coyote-sized wolves. Yeah. But it's still, it's like, it's it's so weird to watch. It's like this thing just trying to run away, and this eagle just knows what to do, swoops down, just grabs him by the neck, and wrestles him to the ground. And That's then the, insane. the Mongolian guys come over. Here, you can watch it here. So they're trained. See, they have those little strings coming off the back oh, of their geez. legs. And this wolf's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> fuck. And so this dude just releases the eagle. And the eagle swoops down and just death from the sky just jacks him. It's crazy to think that this was somehow or another. Oh, they, they trained these things to do this, too. And then they would, you know, kill the wolves and take their skins. I guess they, like, make jackets or something. The wolf knows what's going on, too. And look at He's so much bigger than the eagle. That's what's really yeah. crazy. Because what does an eagle weigh, like, 20 pounds well, or something like that? should have ran a little faster there at he's the tired. end. He's <laughs> tired. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Oh, that's look awful. how badass they are, though. Those are just huge birds. Huge. But even a huge bird is a fraction of the size of that wolf. Yeah. 
and then just holding them down. Maybe that wingspan freaks it out. Yeah. I just don't think, I think it's just a superior murdering machine. You know what I mean? I think, like, when it comes to, like, nature's killers, eagles are just far superior to a wolf. I mean, they, they have air on their side. They, they swoop right. down on you. Which is cool. Yeah, they move through 3D space. You know, it's just a whole different thing. Yeah. So do they ever get your chickens? Uh, I know that a hawk has. Yeah. yeah. And, well, we know. I saw a coyote get one. I okay. saw a coyote run over the fence with a chicken in his mouth. I was sitting with my wife and my kids. And we were playing some game like Monopoly or some shit. And we look out the window. And I see a coyote running through the backyard with a chicken in his mouth. And he just hops the fence. And I opened the door just to go, you fucker. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, and then he was gone. You got him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. It was, a, it was a very complicated scenario because he actually had talked my dog into helping him. No way. Yeah, I think it was a girl. I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was a girl coyote. And uh, my Trickery. dog. Yeah, my dog thought it was, I have a big, dumb dog. And he thought, that this, this is my friend. Yeah. He wants to play with the chickens. I'll help him. Because the dog can, my dog is a. Uh, He's a nice dog to people, but he's not nice to chickens. And okay. he's, he's murdered a few chickens in the past. He's got, I think so far, he's killed six of my chickens. Oh, wow. Yeah. He broke into uh, the fence recently. I don't think I talked about this. <sighs> we were outside, um, uh, and we uh, had heard something. We heard these chickens, like, squawking and making up all this noise. And I look, and I'm like, how is the dog in the chicken coop? He clawed through the chicken wire. He's a mastiff. He's a big mastiff. Oh, wow. And Those he are just huge dogs. smashed the chicken wire enough so he could get his body in there and just went on a rampage and just was murdering chickens. Oops. Yeah. It's just their instinct, you know? Yeah. They just can't help it. And, like, a friend of mine said that he had a dog that did that once. They killed his chicken, and he took the dead chicken and tied it on the dog's head. And then chained the dog to a tree and left him there for a couple hours. And he said, <laughs> "He said it worked. He said the dog never fucked with the chickens again." <laughs> so, are you gonna try that? Uh, no. Oh. No. My, I think my golden retriever. He's a, a sweetheart, and I think he's killed a chicken too. I don't know if he killed it, but he showed up with one in his mouth, and it was dead. Jeez. And we're trying to figure out if he killed it or if it was already dead, because sometimes they just die. Yeah. Because we don't like to think he's a killer because he's still a baby, but he might have died too. Dogs, just dogs and chickens. It's like, yeah. you know, it's a classic relationship. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how we got on this. Oh, runners, animals. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. worried about. So <laughs> do you ever like bring any sort of first aid with you? Do you bring like a backpack when you're running? Um, it depends on, on where I'm going or, or like how Moab. long I intend to be out there. So, like, when you're running Moab, do you bring any sort of a backpack or anything? Yeah, I had a, a pack that was carrying water and, um, like, an emergency blanket and jacket just in case and food. So when you have an emergency blanket, is that one of those thin, like, sort of uh, silvery yeah, sort of blankets? Yeah, just folds down into a very small yeah, square. Yeah, do those really work? Yeah, I mean, fortunately, I've never had to use one in an actual emergency, but um, you know how after marathons they give everyone, like, a tinfoil wrap basically yeah. i think it's the same thing where it's like holding in your body heat huh. um so if worse comes to worse out there you've got something to to help you get through better it, than nothing right, right right 
Now, when you're running and you're drinking water, are you do you have bottles of water or do you have like a hydration bladder and a tube? Like, what do you, how do you run it? The pack I was using has bottles, so it can carry. I mean, at one point, I had two and a half liters of water with me um, for like a really hot, long section. And how long did that last you for? I made it last for 20 miles. That's crazy. That's it? <laughs> Two and a half liters seems like a tiny amount of water to drink for yeah. 20 miles of running. God, that's crazy. And it was a really hot, exposed day out there in the desert. Have you ever been running, like uh, Cam was telling me that he did the Bigfoot 200 and there was a stretch where he miscalculated and he realized the terrain and he didn't have any water. Yeah. And he had to go for several hours with no water. Have you ever done that before? That's awful. Um, I don't know if I've ever had to go several hours, but yeah, I've gotten to the point where it's like miles and miles away still and, and you're fresh out of water. <laughs> That's got to suck. Yeah. The, 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 how much of a performance hit does that take? I think it depends. Like, Also, it can take a um, big toll out of you mentally if you mm-hmm. stress out about it too much. But if you're just like, well, this is the situation the only solution is to get to the next aid station, then um, I think it is just a blip on the on the radar. That's an interesting approach. And that's what I, w- I wanted to get to this about how it transcends uh, how your, this, your mental fortitude sort of like how it manifests itself in everyday life. Like y- your ability to just deal with shit is so superior to the average person. <sighs> Like, when you hear people complain, like, Starbucks is out of fucking venti lattes, this is such <laughs> bullshit, you know, like, no more caramel macchiatos, like, normal, everyday complaining stuff is, like, what a lot of people sort of engage in, it's sort of a, a recreation that people have to complain about nonsense, right? Yeah. Well, how do you deal with that? Uh, to each their own, I think... I mean, you just let it happen. If that venti latte was going to make your day, I'm really (laughs) sorry that they're out, you know? (laughs) But there's got to be a part of you that realizes, like, how, I mean, so many people are just really very weak in terms of, like, their ability to overcome adversity, you know? I, I think they just, like, aren't giving themselves enough credit. And I think we're all capable of way more than we think we are if we just, like, jump in and go for it, whatever it is. Right. And do you think, like, you realize that more the more you push yourself? Like, do you understand yourself more after running 238 miles? I'm trying to, yeah. I'm trying to, like, find my physical boundary. I'm trying to find the mental boundary, like, where where can I take this? Um, and trying to learn about myself and about the world and meet people along the way. But I got to think that that must give you immense confidence to overcome bound obstacles, boundaries, like the fact that you can do what you can do, that you can just put your mind into this state of just dealing with the constant grind. I mean, you're falling asleep, you're half blind. <laughs> I mean, it's like this more than half blind, 98% blind. I mean, this, that, that has got to sort of transcend. I mean, it's, it really must sort of make its way into your everyday life in a very weird way. I hope so. What do you do for regular stuff? Like, do you have a regular job? Uh, I taught uh, middle school and high school science for nine years, and just this past year I stepped out of the classroom. So now you just run? So currently I'm, I'm running, yeah. Wow. So how does that work? you have sponsors or something like that? Yep, I have some sponsors and a really supportive husband, and, um, and my school like, has been super supportive through all of this, and 
they were like, go see what you can do without wow. the without the 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. shift, you know, like right. see what you can make of this and uh, and let us know if, if you want back in teaching ever. Did they freak out when you won the Moab? <laughs> well, one of the guys I teach with, Iblam, was actually one of my pacers out there. So he um, has been really supportive and awesome to train with. And I haven't actually talked to anyone else at the school since then. But they've got to be incredibly proud. I mean, to, to say, hey, go go see what you can do. Yeah. And you're like, hey, look what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> Pretty crazy. And so is this your, your, your goal now is to just run? Uh, yeah. For the time being, I want to um, just see what can happen if I really dedicate more time and energy to training and traveling for races and um, all of the pieces that go with that. And what is the woman's name that put on the Moab? Candace Burt. Candace. And does Candace like look at, I know, she, is she involved in Bigfoot as well? Yeah, yeah. All those 200-mile yeah. races are hers. But does she look at the 240 now and look at you and go, hmm, I think Courtney might be able to do 320. I, she <laughs> she uh, just the other day suggested on the, like, there's a Moab 200 Facebook group, and she put it out there, what about a 500-mile race? Jesus <laughs> Christ! <laughs> Courtney! No, that's Candace. Oh. She suggested. I know, but Courtney, don't do that. <gasps> I mean, why Candace, not, you're man? A, you're a psycho. Candace is a crazy person. Does she run these races too? Well, unfortunately, when you're race directing, she can't run the 200 milers. But oh, she, unfortunately, I wish I could. She wish I could run with you, Courtney. She does a lot here. of uh, hundred mile races, yeah. and yeah, is a great runner. But 500. That is next level. What is the longest anybody has ever run? Like, what's the longest race ever? Is it the Moab? No. Um, let's see. So there's races that are called six-day races, and it's just on a small loop, and you try and go as far as you can, do that loop as many times as you can in six days. Mm. And I'm not actually sure what the record for that is, but I'm certain that it's higher than 238. <sighs> So when she's talking about a 500, what? 3,100-mile race. Oh, there you Pretty go. Pretty sure it's a relay race, but that's Shri what it Chimoy Marathon Team. Look up um, six-day oh, world look, look record. Welcome to the 21st annual self-transcendence 3,100-mile race. You know why they say it's the self-transcendence? Because after 2,000 miles, you run with Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> He's literally with you. You transcend. You're running. <laughs> On air. That's crazy. 52 days. 52 mm. days? They must log an average of 59.6 miles a day. That's fucking Wait, I think this is the talk. one in New York. It's just around like a city block in New York or something. The runners begin at 6 a.m. and run for extended periods throughout the day, taking breaks as needed. If they want to, they can continue as late as 12 midnight when the course closes for the night. Oh. Wow. Ooh, that's pretty cool. Boy, now the, the community has got to be a very strange community of like iron willed human beings. Oh, it's such a special community. I'd imagine. Yeah. Like this, the character of those people. Well, to, and everyone's got a story and they're all out there battling their own battle. You know, it's. Yeah. And it's cool to be at the finish line then and uh, celebrate together and God. swap war stories, you know. I'm sure. I mean, I just like. <laughs> To find other human beings that are capable of putting their mind and their body into that position. Yeah. 
and want to do that, like choose, yeah. actively choose to do that. And look forward to it yeah. and look forward to the next one. Pay money to do it. Oh, how much does it cost? <laughs> uh, for the, this one, I've maybe seven, eight hundred. Did you win anything? Nope. Jesus Christ. We got to get you a prize. <laughs> she should have a prize. You should win something. Medal or something. This is crazy. <laughs> Think about how much they win when they fucking play golf. Oh, you knocked a ball in the hole. Way to go, fatso. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't impress me at all. What you do is like, I, I just feel like it's massively underrated in terms of like society's appreciation of it. Yeah, well, a lot of people don't even know these are happening. Um, like ultra marathons yeah. are a, a very alien thing to a lot of people. I wasn't aware of them. Yeah. Until I became friends with Cam. I didn't know anybody was that crazy. So what mileage are you running now? I only run a couple. Yeah. I run like three. Or five. The most I run is like four. <laughs> I mean, they have even half marathons on trails. That would be cool for you yeah. to just check out. Trail running is so awesome. It is. Well, mostly what I'm doing is like super steep hills. Okay. That's what I like to do. I do a lot of hill sprints. Yeah. Just, but it's it's made a big difference in like martial arts training. I've only oh, been bet. doing it for like six, eight months, maybe. No, January I think I started running. So it's more than that. Yeah. Incorporated with all sorts yeah. of other training. It just makes a huge difference in my wind. You know, like and I never used to. I used to feel like my the thought like I guess it was just laziness or I just didn't want to try it. But uh, a lot of people's thought process is well, if you do cardio like specific to your athletic event. Right, like if you do jujitsu, just do jujitsu. Just okay. do a lot of rolling, do a lot of sparring, and your cardio will go up. If you do kickboxing, just do a lot of kickboxing, hit the bag a lot, and your cardio will go up. It will, but I maintain that just it's just sheer cardio from running is a different thing, and that your capacity for cardio is expanded, especially yeah. when you do hill, um, hill running or sprints. Things yeah, you think lines. so? Yeah, I would think so. Now, have you, do you do anything else other than running? Do you, are you involved in any other athletics? Uh, right now, no. I, I played on some like adult co-ed volleyball and soccer teams recently, but um, otherwise, just running right now. Do you have like a long-term goal, or is there anything that you'd like to accomplish? Um, I don't know. I just want to keep pushing the limits and finding, finding out what's possible, going a little bit faster or a little bit further, um, and Getting to see parts of the world is what I'm hoping for in this next year. How many other women win these things? There's been, in the past couple of years, there's been, um, it's becoming a little more frequent to have a female overall winner. Yeah, because for a long time that wasn't the case, right? For, right. Why, why do you think that is? I'm not sure. I don't know if, um, like, the confidence or the time women are putting in or, like, just figuring out nutrition stuff. I don't know. I don't know what's been the, like... Thing that switched it over, but um, it's not as absurd as it used to be, for sure. Well, what you do is absurd. <laughs> I mean, that's absurd to, to not just win, but to win by such an enormous margin. You know, like what an inspiration you must be to other young runners that are coming up right now, and just know that that's possible. That someone can can do that. Yeah, I mean, I I hope, yeah, to inspire future generations. My niece, like. I mean, that'd be cool. I don't well, know if it's happening, but... Oh, it's just 100% happening. I'll keep trying. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I have no desire to do it, and you've inspired me. Oh, thank you. But the, the, you know the story of the four-minute mile, right? Yeah. That before... Who was the guy that... Jesse... Prefontaine. No, not that guy. It was before who was that. it that broke the four-minute mile? Was it like Alan? I forget his name. I was going to say Jesse Owen, but it's not him. 
Um, but whoever, whoever the gentleman was that broke the four-minute mile, they used to literally think it was physically Ron, impossible. Roger Bannister. Roger mm. Bannister, thank you. But once he broke it, then a bunch of people broke right. it afterwards. So they right. realized it could be possible, you know, which is another one of the reasons why when someone says, oh, if you run a marathon, you have to take six months off. Like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Nobody knows what people can do yet. I mean, it's really true that there's there are boundaries to human performance that have not been explored yet. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. So people like you, you're like at the tip of the spear of this shit. You realize that? I mean, no. like, yeah, you are. You are. I'm telling you, you are. Like in, in human history, I don't think there's a whole lot of people that can ever say that they've run 238 miles. I bet there's maybe one or two other people that have ever walked the face of the earth that have done what you did. Oh. They might not have ever. I mean, maybe there's like some crazy uh, aborigine or some indigenous <laughs> people that we don't know about, someone who lives in Mexico in the mountains or something like that has done something crazy like this. But for the most part, I mean, how many people have ever done what you did? I think there were 95 finishers at the right. Mob 240. But how many people have done it in less than 58 hours? <laughs> one. This, this year, just one, just but one. I think it'll keep falling. That's my, my thought process. Yeah. It's like, and do you think that there's anything left um, do you think you left anything on the table as far as like when you crossed the line, was there a thought like, I could have done that maybe like five minutes faster? <laughs> uh, I mean, sure. Yeah. You can cut out time at aid stations. You can, uh, do sections more efficiently. So I, my hope is there's always room for improvement. And, and if I went back next year, I would absolutely be trying to, to push the pace and, and drop my time. What would you try to get it under 50? I don't know. I think I'd just have to see how the day was unfolding and um, like what sort of obstacles were coming up. That if you did it under fifty, I guarantee you, some people would just throw themselves off the side of the cliff. Fuck this! It'd be like me playing basketball against Jordan. Like I can't do this anymore. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. Seven? That'd be almost eight hours cut off, and yeah. I don't think I can. That'd be a lot. Yeah. But, but why, maybe why not aim talk high? Talk to the person who came in second. <laughs> if you didn't exist, that person who came in second would be a bad motherfucker. <laughs> They'd be like, look, I just beat everybody's ass in this crazy race. He but still is. Eh, he's not <laughs> so much. He's a little bummed out right now. He's sitting at home going, fucking 10 hours. I bet that guy like gets a good night's sleep and you know, brushes his teeth and forgets about it for a little while, gets in his car, and then he's in traffic and then the light turns red. He goes, fucking 10 hours! <laughs> How'd she beat me by 10 hours? <laughs> I, I guarantee you. No, I hope you're not thinking that, Sean. Sean. I know you're thinking it, Sean. I would be thinking it, too. Good news, Sean. You beat me by 10 days. So think of, <laughs> think of it in terms of... Well, it's, it's you know, you're the high watermark now, I guess. I mean, I, I can't imagine there's any other way to put it. I mean, you won the first one, but you won it by such a ridiculous margin. Yeah, we'll see next year what, what people are capable of. Now, Candace and her crazy idea for 500 miles, are you going to indulge her in this ridiculous quest? Yeah, I mean, yeah, she threw it out there. She had, like, immediately positive response from everyone in this in this group. Um, of course. Bunch yeah. of fucking psychos. I know, yeah. And she was saying maybe 2019 she'd be able to pull it together. Oh, why, why does she need that much time? 
I, th- I mean, the logistics involved, right. and then there's like permitting you have to do, and and um, where would you where would she have one of these things? Yeah, she didn't say. How about the surface of the sun? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that or the moon? Like, yeah. let's all go to the moon. No, it's too easy. It's cold. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Yeah, not enough gravity. You'd be like cheating. <laughs> It's only like one sixth, yeah. one sixth Earth's gravity. Yeah, I mean, I just, I wonder, like, what is the limit? Like, what what is the limit of a human? Yeah. In terms of like, I mean, you said that when it was over, you were wrecked for days. You you couldn't sleep. You really weren't eating well. But when you cross that finish line, and if someone said, "Okay, the real finish line is another eighty miles," you just would have kept going. Yeah, if that's if that was real and I had 80 more miles to cover, I would figure out how to do it. What if it was 180? How many oh, how many more miles do you think you have left in your body? I mean, is there a point where your your just tissue would just give out? Uh, maybe, yeah. Um, but like for this 500 mile race, she's suggesting there's like a she's thinking a 10 day cutoff or whatever. Oh God. You know, so then you just got to build in some good sleep and yeah. Um, Sorry, Candace, if we weren't supposed to talk about this yet, I don't know. We're talking about it, Candace. We're talking about it. <laughs> that's like, that's 10 days is not, well, I guess, but no one's going to do that, right? You're just going to keep running. No one's going to just go 50 miles a day, right? You, you could. Right, like, you could no build that into that. your plan. Yeah, but no one's going to do that. I mean, for this one, people had sleep plans. There's aid stations out there that have like cots and blankets, and you can stay, they say. For six hours, they'll let you sleep there before they boot you to the course. Six hours? Six hours. Well, get up, lazy. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if they just want to keep turning them over in case there's a need for more. Or, oh, that makes sense. Um, so they wake you up at six hours? Apparently. I didn't have, um, I don't have any personal experience What if you get it? off the cot and just lay right on the ground right yeah. next to the cot? <laughs> now what? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not getting up. I'm just going to lay right here. It's over. Yeah. So I guess for this one, they'd have to have sleep stations out there and... I mean, I think what I'm getting at is the fascinating part of this to me is that the boundaries are at least somewhat unexplored because what you did was in in a way very revolutionary. Like what you did is like, like you just, you just flipped the whole thing on its head by coming in 10 hours and 20 plus miles ahead of the second place person. Like now people are going to go, okay. Well, what, what's possible? Because maybe there's someone out there that could do that to Courtney. Yeah, absolutely there is. <laughs> like who? I, well, I, I haven't met them um, recently. Do they exist? I don't know. But that's the question. That's the cool part is if people just keep like wondering that, then yes. I mean, we'll be breaking down all sorts of barriers. That's what's fascinating about it to me as a completely outside observer is that what you're doing is – it's you're ex- essentially in unexplored territory and even the training protocols right like your protocol is different than cams and i'm sure yeah. that sean god's got a different thing that he did and everybody's got their own little methods yeah and wasn't there a guy that was leading for a while but he had a he had a bail at like 150 miles he, he couldn't take it anymore yep so i was going back and forth for a while with a guy until maybe yeah i think it was 150 miles what happened to him I'm not sure. I think his legs or his quads or something was given out. I'm not positive. I didn't get to have a, a conversation with him. And does that happen often where someone just comes out of the gate too hard or maybe like he's trying to keep up with you and he outpaced himself? 
Yeah, I, uh, unfortunately, they're called DNFs or did not finish, mm. um, and those happen pretty frequently. Like, what's the percentage if you had to guess? It was a hundred plus people entered, right? Yeah, I think this the two hundred um, the Moab race had way less than a normal like hundred mile race, for example. Way less DNFs. Way less people dropped out. Wow. Yeah. Wow, interesting. I don't know if it's like the mindset going in, you just know it's this big adventure and, and you're going to be out there for multiple days, so you're ready for that, versus a 100-mile race. I mean, people are breaking down barriers with how fast those can be done. Yeah. Um, and so then you're you're going out guns blazing from the start, and, and then you've got a higher potential for a blow-up that just can't be fixed. Mm. So is that what happens? Like your your muscles just break down, you get... What is it called? Autolysis or something like that? Where your muscles start eating themselves? Yeah, and just like no response. You're yeah. getting nothing back from them. Yeah, and what is that thing that those CrossFit people get? Rhabdomyolysis? Oh, yeah. Yeah, do you ever get that? I've never gotten it. Rab- rabdo? Rabdo. Rabdo. Yeah. Rhabdomyolysis? Yeah. yeah. Something about like your <clears throat> muscles are breaking down into your bloodstream yeah. or... Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. It's supposed to be horrible. Yeah. And apparently, like, way more common today than it, muscle breakdown damages the kidneys. Apparently, it's way more common today because of uh, these CrossFit classes and, you know, people pushing themselves. And push. that's the thing. is like, it's not a matter of what's possible. Like, hey, Courtney ran 248 miles. I can run it, too. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. But you're going to have to build up to that, stupid. Like it's, <laughs> you, you can't just do it tomorrow. You know, that's kind of the crazy thing about all this, right? Is that, like, you're you're building, like, a mountain one Lego block at a time, right? And and someone who's like, oh, well, her mountain's, like, 5,000 feet high. I'll just fucking build a... Fu-. No, it takes <laughs> a long-ass time to build that mountain, right? Yeah. I mean, for me, I've been, I've been training for this long stuff for... Seven years now, so I wasn't like instantly successful at the hundred mile distance, and it's taken a lot of training and a lot of just learning along mm. the way. Now, because of the fact that you ran this two hundred thirty eight mile race at a certain pace and you know, did so phenomenally, do you feel like your body is now going to be stronger for the next one? I hope so. I hope if I treat it nicely for a little bit here and let it fully recover, um, that then I can. Try and springboard off of this for the next thing. Plenty nachos, plenty of beer. Yeah, yeah. Just load it in. Now, do you do any other kind of training? Do you do any weightlifting or yoga or anything else? You incorporate anything else? Yeah, um, I do. I go to the gym mostly. At the gym, I do core work and like throw throw around a couple five pound dumbbells. <laughs> but otherwise, no. I I think yoga would be a great thing to incorporate. I just haven't. I haven't gotten uh, motivated to head to those classes yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Now, do you stretch? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But wouldn't you, like, think that that would be a good thing to do? I mean, Oh, absolutely. Why don't you do it? I mean, I try, yeah. It's just not, like, incorporated into my normal routine very well. Mm. Do you think maybe, like, things along those lines, like maybe yoga or weightlifting or stretching would maybe possibly advance you to another level? Yeah, I mean, I might as well try and see. Yeah, but that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, you're so far ahead now that I I would imagine it's a matter of, like, what could possibly make you better? Like, you're you're obviously—to win by that extreme a margin, like, I would— 
think obviously what you're doing now is amazing. Like, what if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? right? <laughs> but are you at your very best? Um, I hope not. I'm gonna keep trying to strive for higher. Just keep putting Lego blocks up. Yeah. Keep building yeah, a higher and I higher like mountain. That. I love Legos. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> but it seems like it's a, a fairly good analogy, you know, that it seems that it's a slow, arduous process of improvement. And yep. it takes discipline and constant focus and constant attention and just time in. Yeah. And enjoying it, too. Yeah. Like, that's a huge part of it for me as well. Is I'm loving it still. So, I'm but is gonna... enjoy, you think that's part of the success as well? The enthusiasm that you have. I think it's got to be. If if you're out there grinding every day for hours and you're just hating it, I mean, right. then you won't be jazzed to go to any starting line. Yeah, well, that's like sort of what you were saying about the water thing. That if you're low on water, like don't just don't let it freak you out. Just, yeah. Just deal with it, and it'll be less. Like that really does apply to life, doesn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. No matter if you run or not, I think um, just figuring out how to deal with situations like that without freaking out and yeah. having to wreck your day is huge. Now, what about runner's high? How high do you get when you're running like that? Is that real? Yeah. I mean, I don't it, get it. I just get tired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you get runner's high? Sure, yeah. I mean, when you're out there, like, cruising along some beautiful trails and you're in an amazing place and um, you feel really good and maybe you're with people or maybe not, it definitely can feel really awesome. But people, like, sort of chase that down, right? There's some people that that is, like, the only way they stay sane. They think they got to go out and get their medicine. Yeah, like yeah. Like, that running. Do you have, like, an end goal like, do you do uh, do you look at, like, this running career and go, okay, I'm going to get to be X amount of age, I want to accomplish a certain amount of things, and then stop? Or is it just life? Yeah, life. It's just life. Yeah, the cool part about this running stuff, I mean, you alluded to it earlier, but people in their 40s and 50s and 60s, yeah. they're doing these races and um, still enjoying the trails. And I hope to... Um, I hope to still be doing it when in 20 years and 30 years. Like. My friend Ari, his yeah. dad, who is a Holocaust survivor, who's 80 years old, just ran a marathon in six hours. Wow. Fucking stud. That's amazing. Stud. <laughs> I mean, come on. I can't run a marathon in six hours. I know Bert can't, that fat fuck. <laughs> Sorry, Bert, I love you. It's inside joke. <laughs> <laughs> That's a total inside joke. But well, <laughs> his Ari's dad is like, how does how does one do that? How does how's an eighty year old man run a marathon in six hours? That's insane. That's cool. Yeah, it's just grinding. Yeah. I mean, what is the oldest competitor that you guys had in that race? Um sixty nine, I think. Wow. Yeah. How'd they do? He finished. <sighs> yeah. It's amazing. Sixty nine years old and he runs. 238 miles. I think he had something, uh, he's 69 years old, and it was like his 68th 100-plus mile race he'd ever done or something crazy like that. At that age, you're on borrowed time. You know, <laughs> why not just burn that candle with a goddamn <laughs> blowtorch? <laughs> Fuck the wick. Just throw that candle in the volcano. Yeah, or maybe he's making more time. He might be. 
Could be. Rhonda Patrick, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, who's this uh, brilliant woman who have had on the podcast a few times, posted something on Twitter just a couple of days ago that rigorous physical exercise can expand, lowers the, the biological age by as much as nine years. Wow. Was it, see, like you find that? Yeah, it's cr some crazy study they did on extend. I mean, I mean, it just makes sense. Any rigorous exercise. Yeah, here it goes. Uh, physical exercise reduces cancer incidences, lowers the rate of recurrence, inhibits tumor growth. Uh, now, it's one that I retweeted. <laughs> It was, here it is. High-intensity exercise delayed biological aging by nine years as measured by telomere length. So wow. this is like scientific analysis of your telomeres. That's amazing. So like what, nine years every time you... Um, no, no, no. But I mean like people who are rigorously overall. exercising. So like say if you're, you're 39, yeah. your telomeres. Results showed that... Regular activity accounted for significantly longer telomeres in U.S. adults. The longer telomeres found in active adults accounted for nine years of reduced cellular aging. Regular physical exercise activity reduces disease risk, possibly due to the pre uh, preservation of telomeres. Wow. So that's an interesting thing because for the long time, telomeres are nucleoprotein caps positioned at the end of chromosomes, and aging causes telomeres to shorten significantly and results in gradual cell deterioration. Huh. And that makes sense because you see people that don't exercise and they get older and they look like shit as opposed to someone who does exercise and they'll stand right next to them and you go, whoa, those, those two people the same age? Like, that's crazy. That's cool that they're studying that. That'll yeah. be interesting to see, like, how that unfolds as they learn more it makes sense right you're requiring more of your body your body has to maintain this much higher work rate than the average person right yeah that's cool how much sleep do you get a night a normal night normal probably seven or eight hours so just normal stuff yeah like you're not you're not doing anything crazy no <laughs> other than the actual accomplishment physically like you're not doing anything crazy outside of it i don't think so do you get massages no no really Mm -mm. Do you wear those uh, crazy pants? What are those uh, those crazy <laughs> pants that smush your legs? And what are those things called? Like compression. I sent those to yeah. Cam. They sent them to me, and I sent them to him. The compression tights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or? No, 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 no. They they like massage your legs. You like Ooh. you put them. Oh, <laughs> I'll have them send them to you. They sent them to me. I didn't even ask for them. Are they like the big boots? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Norma they're pants. Normatech. Yeah, they're Normatech. Yeah, yeah. They're supposed to be the shit. No. Yeah, pull up yeah. a video of that Normatech system. Uh, they oh, sent it to yeah. me, and I, I sent it to Cam. See if you find Cam's uh, Instagram video. I think he's got it, him using it. But you climb into that thing, and it massages your leg. It says pulse leg recovery system. People swear by these things. Is it they water love filled, them. or is that no, air? No. Yeah. It's a good question. It's a good question. Doesn't show up. Um... But uh, so that could be cool if it was I don't like even cold know. water. Oh, right. That would feel right. good, I bet. Have you done cryotherapy? No. Ooh, you want to do it today? <laughs> it's a place right down the street. What, is it, what does that involve exactly? It, it involves 240 degrees below zero for three minutes. Oh, geez. Hey, stand in there. It's awesome. Yeah. You come out, you feel fantastic. Huh. If you want to do it, we could do it. There he is. Oh, that's cool. So that's him at a place doing yeah. it. Um, but I, like. he has one at home now that I sent him. They sent me one. I didn't even ask for it. I don't know how they got my address or anything. <laughs> they just sent me a norm attack. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And then I, I sat and my wife's like, what are you going to do with this? I, like, I just sent it to Cam. He'll use it. He uses it. But you didn't, did you try it? No. Oh. No. 
I see a lot of athletes using it too. Like LeBron James uses it, mm. like after training. It looks badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's all these different methods of recovery, but Courtney don't need shit. <laughs> Go ahead, bitches. You you guys keep using it. <laughs> did uh, when you were running the long, like the long, did you listen to like a certain playlist over and over and over again? Like, do you hate certain songs now that you listen to them for sixty hours straight, or were you um, no headphones and? No, I I use music occasionally. I didn't use it for the entire thing. I probably did couple hours with music the first day and um, maybe a couple hours of music the second day just to like give reboost. someone your iPad or, or your iPod I mean just yeah give it to someone hey I need it back I'm bored it's yeah like, yeah okay. or like I want to ch- change it up a bit cool, cool. yeah so most of the time when you're training do you, you use music or no I don't often use music some days I will but especially out on trails I mean we just talked about all these animals that can kill you um, oh, right. Yeah. Then I'm not using music. Right. If you don't hear the rattle, that right. would suck. Right. Right. Or like the wings flapping behind <laughs> your head. <laughs> right before you get a, a scalping. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, do they test you guys for drugs? Occasionally, some races have that. This well, one did not. This one didn't. So no. you could be jacked up to the gills. How many people? <laughs> how many think, people you think were juiced up to the gills and they still couldn't beat you? At least the, one. At this race, no one was juiced. Shut up. There's someone out no there. No way. There's one person who's on EPO for sure. I won't believe it. Uh, I believe it. One person. It hasn't, like, none of that stuff is, like, filtering into the trail running scene. I mean, there was $0 prize on the line. So I understand that. Why is someone going to EPO for that? I know what you're saying, and it's very logical. You're right. But <laughs> there was actually uh, an article that was written about uh, Silicon Valley CEOs that were taking EPO and uh, doing triathlons and uh, marathon races, and they were taking these endurance drugs, these uh, performance-enhancing drugs, just for, I mean, just to try to up their performance in these huh. amateur events. That it's a big thing. That it's a very common thing lately. Interesting. Yeah. I don't I mean, I don't even know where the fuck they get it. Yeah, I don't know what all that would involve, but um I like to think better of the of the trail running community and that people are pushing just their natural limits without mm. without seeing what the what any sort of drug regimen I would, would do. like to think better of them too. Yeah. But I just um, because of the UFC, I've, I've seen so many people oh, fail bet. drug tests that I didn't think. I was like, that guy? Wow. Huh. I just think. Did Tank Abbott fail? No. Tank Abbott's all beer. He was my guy. He's your guy? <laughs> he's an animal. That dude's, he's a, he was an anywhere, anytime guy. Yeah. He'd fight anybody. He would hop off a bar stool and beat the shit out of people. We used to <laughs> rent like four <clears throat> four of the videos from Blockbuster oh, and just marathon it. Yeah. Those are great. <laughs> Those were before I was involved. Those were awesome. Yeah. No, no uh, eye gouging, no yeah. fish hooking. But there was probably definitely dudes that he fought <laughs> that were on steroids. I mean, I don't know if he ever took anything, but there's a lot of people that have took things. But yeah, back then, you could take whatever you wanted, and there was no drug testing. Right. In the early days. But, you know, like, it's, it's like how much does that help? And how much, how much is, especially when it comes to trail running, like what you're doing is, first of all, you're living at elevation, which is phenomenal, Right then you're also just constantly putting in the work and grinding and it's a full-time job now and you're obviously a special athlete when it comes to your ability to focus and you went fucking blind lady i mean (laughs) you went blind you kept running you know so there's no drugs out there that can fix that there's no there's no that's true yeah Yeah. there's nothing that's going to give you that kind of mental fortitude to push past blindness right 
And they're getting better about, I mean, more and more trail races are starting to implement drug testing mm. just to try and, like, um, cut it out before it even becomes a thing. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah weed out all the performance-enhancing stuff. But, you know, there's going to be, there's a line, right? Like, what what do you test for and what don't you test for? Like right. What's, what's okay? You know, multivitamins are okay. All right. Well, what about, you know... There's some weird stuff that right. people take, you know, some right. weird stuff from GNC. Right. You know, we're having issues with that in the UFC where guys take just over-the-counter stuff at GNC, and it turns out it actually has steroids in Jeez. it. Yeah. Apparently, it's super common that these, you know, all these muscle building this and, right. you know, stack that. And, right. You know, a lot of that stuff is they, they literally put performance-enhancing drugs in them. Right. Which is why they work. So then it's just your job as an athlete to know yeah. what's on the ingredient list and is it okay? Yeah, USADA yeah. actually has a list of things that have uh, tested positive okay. for steroids and it is crazy. I had Jeff Nowitzki on, who is the head of USADA and now works for the UFC's uh, drug enforcement program okay. and trying to catch people with cheating. And we pulled up the USADA website, and your jaw drops. You're like, what? All the like, stuff? Oh, thousands Jeez. of fucking supplements yeah. that you're, you're buying from just a regular yeah. mom-and-pop vitamin store. Just well, that's crazy. Has steroids in them. Yeah. yeah. And you, but you just take a multivitamin. That's it. Yeah. Just a women's multivitamin. Oh, a women's multivitamin. Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> Is there a difference? No, I don't know. It's probably a marketing scheme. Probably, right? <laughs> yeah. And do you think that there's anything that you could take that would possibly enhance your performance in any way? I mean, is there... That's legal? Yeah. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, is there, what is, is there something that other runners rely on? Is there something that, like, you hear people talk about, like vitamins or supplements or anything? No, I think more the conversation is always about, like, um, the diets and, like, changing up what you eat or what you what food groups you live in and mm. all of that is more what I hear talk about. And um, I'm just not interested in cutting out carbs or cutting out fat. Like, I want it all. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, one of the guys that <clears throat> ran. He ran 100 miles. What is this gentleman's name? He's actually emailed me. He ran 100 miles faster than anybody ever, and he's on some fat-burning diet. He's on uh, one of those. What is that, keto? Yeah, he's on a ketogenic diet. Okay. And his whole, here's his name, uh, Zach Bitter. Yeah. Yeah, do you know who that guy is? Yeah. Yeah. He is, uh, he, he, he won, there it is. Yep. Yeah. He eats almost no carbs. Oh, carbs are my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, you brought up something, too, that I think is really important that really need, can't be stressed enough, is that everybody's body's different. Yeah. It really is. He ran 100 miles in 11 hours, 40 minutes, and 55 seconds. What a monster. Yeah. That's on a quarter mile track. Six and a half marathons. That is insane. 402 laps on a track. Jesus Christ. That's awesome. Yeah, he's a really great athlete. That's a, that's a monster. That's insane. It's incredible that he can do this with uh, almost no carbs. Right. All fat. Right. You're just not interested in trying that. No, I mean I don't. <laughs> I don't see a need for it. I, Why should you? Yeah. Yeah. I want to. Um, I'm not saying they aren't enjoying life, but the things that I enjoy involve just Carbs. not worrying about it. Yeah. Like, do you uh, regulate your sugar intake at all? No. 
I guess you, if you run as much as you run, you don't have to think about your diet at all, right? I don't. I mean, maybe that could be one of the the Lego pieces that I try and fine tune, but it's not on my to do list for the near future. Yeah, I mean, again, it's like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. But what if someone like comes creeping up like real close to you, Courtney? Someone's starting to like you're you're finishing and they're finishing like a couple minutes behind you, <laughs> and and you go like, well, I might need to kick in the afterburners. <laughs> Is that when you would go to a nutritionist or um, try to tighten up your diet? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of people who beat me, and I, um, I'm i just trying to work harder, like train more, train better, get stronger, especially like those core muscles. And um, Like what kind of exercise do you do for your core? Just like the normal planks and, and things of that nature. And uh, yeah, it doesn't that doesn't motivate me to change my diet people beating me <laughs> no no it, it would take more than that it, that just is like okay you need to train harder you need to like put in more work for this but don't you think that the fuel that you use in your body obviously me giving you any advice is fucking ridiculous but no, get, don't you think that the fuel that goes in your body has some sort of an effect on your performance i mean it must surely surely but i also um just want to live life and enjoy it you know like i don't want to be counting how many kale pieces i'm eating <laughs> like <laughs> well it's a good attitude i mean obviously your enthusiasm is a, a huge part of your success and your mental state i think it can't it can't be argued at all that that's not a huge part of your success so and and just to keep enjoying your life and living the way you're living perhaps fuels that mental state yeah i mean i'm thinking they're all intertwined but who knows, you know, what thing could be tweaked to make it better? Yeah, well, I don't know. You know, I mean, it's all that uh, the Jack Nicholson, The Shining, you know, too much work, no play makes Jack a dull boy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is it John or Jack? Who Jack. was he? In the movie was Jack, too? Johnny. Johnny, Here's a dull Johnny. boy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's Johnny. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if, like, maybe the just the ultimate grind of discipline and no reward is just not it's not beneficial to performance that there's some sort of a balance that must be achieved yeah enjoying yourself and being enthusiastic and appreciative and also disciplined yeah i think a good balance of all that is important well listen courtney thank you so much for being here you are uh, an inspiration and i'm so blown away by what you've managed to do and i can't wait to see what you can do in the future and if you really can run 500 miles <laughs> if you do 500 miles you got to come back in here we got to talk about oh, it you better be just be out on the course with a foam finger <laughs> <laughs> i'll wear whatever you want i'll wear a chicken outfit like those dudes who sell real estate whatever you need <laughs> thank, thank you thank you, thank thank you, so you for much. having me and everybody uh tell people how they can get a hold of you on twitter it's different than instagram instagram's courtney dowalter Instagram is Courtney Dualter. Twitter is Court Dualter. And D A U W A L T E R. Correct. Um, whoever's got Courtney Dualter on Twitter, <laughs> give it up, bitch. Come on. That's ridiculous. <laughs> give it to her. Because they got it right right after you won, right? That's when they did it? Uh, yeah, some weird series of events led to a Twitter being made. But didn't they for say me. they were going to give it to you? They said they were going to give it to yeah. you, right? Yeah. Okay, make that happen. <laughs> Thank you so much, Courtney. Thank it's been you. Awesome.